Okay, so it's City Talk 105.9. I'm sure over the past few days you've been ticking through your diary and checking who's playing who and when now that the TV fixtures have been confirmed for the start of the season. Let's get a take on it now with the BT Sport analyst and former Liverpool striker Michael Owen. A very good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, how's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, straight away, of course, Merseyside Derby stand out and BT Sport involved in them. First one, Saturday the 27th of September, uh, when you were playing at, at, at Liverpool, you'd have kept your eye out for that one, wouldn't you? Oh, it's the first one that you look at. To be honest, it's the, it's the Everton-Liverpool in that order down at Goodison is the one that you really look out for, but certainly Liverpool-Everton and BT had both derbies on on. Uh, on our screens last year so it's great that we've we've got the first one again this year and yeah always eagerly anticipated great game in prospect and I'm I'm delighted that that well that we've got that one as well of course you get the like the top picks now at BT Sport and absolutely you know the right decision made last year because both of the games for very different reasons were, were sort of classic Premier League encounters weren't they weren't they just yeah it was it was, it was amazing I mean the first game in particular at, at Goodison was just out of this world uh, 4-4 and probably the the best game that I, well, it was certainly the best game I had commentated on in my short commentary uh, career. So yeah, that was a, a real, a real boost for the channel as well. It was, it was great, but it was a, a good learning curve for me. And, and what a game, full of emotion, full of everything that that you'd associate with the, the Merseyside derby. So as I say, delighted to to get that one on our roster again. Uh, and one of the other games you've got um, is Man United versus Everton at the start of October. It's such a key year for Everton in terms of where their development is at versus Manchester United and, and where they've been at in the last season with a new guy coming in there at Van Gaal. I know you're there for the opening game as well of theirs against Swansea. Can Everton finish above Manchester United again this season? I'd be very surprised. I mean, Everton, God, you've got to tip your cap, cap off to them. I mean, it's, a, it's been a phenomenal few years for Everton and, and Martinez has, has taken them on again. And Well, with, with a... a brilliant season behind them last year you're just thinking how can they improve on that um, Lukaku and Gareth Barry obviously uh, being on loan they're going to have to replace them with, with top players or, or get them back in um, it's going to be an interesting time in the transfer market for, for Everton over the p- next few weeks and I know they've got a cracking cad- academy there as well so I'm certain there's going to be a few youngsters coming through the ranks over the next couple of years so yeah it's a, it's a big season for Everton again um, I can't quite see them finishing above United this year. United haven't got anything to worry about in terms of Champions League or anything like that. It's just going to be new manager, new, a few new players. Confidence will be flooding back, and I can see them going all out. And, and I can see them getting into the top three actually this season. But no, should be another good season for Everton. But not quite above Manchester United. So you're going Manchester United top three. I just got to point out there, Everton fans will be screaming at the radio, Michael, you've been in the stables too long. Gareth Barry signed. He's got himself a three-year deal. Yeah, well, obviously Lukaku and Gareth Barry were, were sensational last year they, and they really did need to to, uh, to either replace or to, to obviously get them to, to stay in many ways. Obviously Lukaku is, is one that, that's pending. and um, But no, great news for, for Everton fans. It's a, it's a, it's a huge decision to, to keep him yes he's he's well into his 30s now but to obviously to play in that position is a little bit easier than others on the pitch and, and he does it so well obviously uses brain and whatever so yeah that's a it's a 
a great move for Everton to, to buy him and, and obviously they need someone again to score the goals next season. So Everton, you'll think, will finish behind Manchester United. Manchester United to finish top three in the Premier League. You've got Arsenal versus Manchester City early doors on BT Sport as well. Arsenal seem to be improving, seem to be maybe buying players you wouldn't normally associate them with. Um, they'll have an interesting season, but they might be title challengers. They might finish sixth in the table. Well, this season's got to be one of the the most competitive of them all. It's, it's it's such a good season in prospect. I mean, last year was brilliant, but you've got so many title contenders this year. And I did think that Arsenal were a step below, you know, the Cities, the, the Uniteds, the Liverpools um, and the Chelsea's, you know, over the last year or so. And I, you know, when I watch them, I, I just think that they do need one or two real world-class players. Now, in Sanchez, they've bought one. That's a massive signing for them, a real signal of intent. Um, and if they can get one or two more players in like that, then they're all of a sudden going to be fighting the likes of Chelsea and City and Liverpool and United for the, for the title. As we stand, I still think they're half a step behind them. Um, but that is a real good sign in. And, and well, maybe Arsene Wenger will make, make some more over the summer. Yeah, let's move on to Liverpool. Eh? I noticed that the, the big advert you've got, you guys have got at the moment for uh, for BT is a big focus on that game at Anfield against Arsenal, where, where Liverpool were just absolutely unreal, unstoppable. It was one of the most sort of uh, surreal games I think I'd ever seen because of the way that the goals went in, and Liverpool weren't supposed to be able to do that against teams like like Arsenal. Um, those sorts of games. <laughs> were actually more common than we thought they would be for Liverpool Football Club this year. There's a big factor, though, isn't there, Michael, for next year, and it's no Luis Suarez. How do Liverpool cope without having a player of that influence in the team? Well, that is the big question. I mean, I again, we were fortunate enough to get some unbelievable games on BT last year, and I was commentating on that game, and I said there, and then I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in my life, not just because of how good Liverpool played and how you know ferocious they were in their attack and you know, they basically dismantled Arsenal in, in the blink of an eye but you know it, it was the quality that they were playing against and until I watched Germany and um, Brazil in the World Cup it, it remained that way and, and we've, we saw something similar in the World Cup it was, it was an unbelievable sight but as you say the big question Man United have got a huge question mark against them this year and I feel Liverpool are the other team purely down to you know can they keep um, that going from last season, fantastic performances throughout the season, you know, a, a, an inch away from winning the, the league. And then, obviously, Suarez leaving is going to, you know, leave a, a big hole as well. Now, there is a, a lot of money into the coffers, so hopefully Brendan Rodgers spends it wisely, as he so often does. Um, but you can't help to think that it's going to weaken Liverpool slightly. Um, that type of player, you know, OK, the Sturridge's and... Sterling's played exceptionally well last year, but you have to wonder how much of an influence Suarez was on, on their performances as well. So hopefully it wasn't too much. Hopefully they continue in the same vein and, and Brendan Rodgers buys some top players to go and compete again this year, but it's going to be tougher. You know, going from seventh to second was unbelievable, go, but going from second to first is probably an even bigger step and a harder step to take. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for Liverpool that they invest the money wisely and, and hopefully get someone... Even half as good as Suarez would be good. Well, let's talk about Adam Lallana. Is he is he good enough a player to replace Luis Suarez? Well, you'd have to say on the evidence of, of what he did for Southampton last year um, and in previous years, and for that fact, you know, for, for England, he's put in some good performances as well. So, yes, he more than merits his chance to, to shine on the big stage, and Liverpool is, a, is the big stage. 
you know, one or two poor performances for Liverpool is, is a crisis in, in many ways where you can get away with five or six probably on the spin for, for most other clubs. So, yes, the spotlight's going to be on him, but he's young, he's British, he knows the, the Premier League. Um, I think it's a very good buy, and I really like the way Brendan Rodgers tries to capture his signings early on in transfer windows, get who you want, get them in early, because there's going to be a, a big fight to, to get the best players on uh, in later on in the season or in the summer. So, yeah, great move for, for Liverpool. Let's hope he, he does perform and has a good season. Personality-wise, a lot of people have looked at Daniel Sturridge and sort of said, oh, maybe in your early career, you know, you felt like your nose was at a joint when you were either left on the bench or played out of position. He seems to be sort of the, the main man and probably will be the, the main man for Liverpool Football Club for the next season. How do you read sort of the way that he is sometimes? Sometimes people say that he's a little bit selfish on the pitch. He's obviously got undoubted talents as well. He's going to have a different role without Suarez in there because those goals are going to have to come and the first person who Brendan Rodgers is going to expect them to come from will be Daniel Sturridge. Well, you have a unique outlook on the game if you're a striker and yes you'll say some strikers you know are less selfish than others whatever but I don't care who you are you always want to be the main man that goes without saying and certainly as a, as a striker you want to be the the, the go-to man let's say the the, the people that the, the person that people rely on when you when you need a goal and he was brilliant last season uh, storage absolutely brilliant you know scored goals um, but Always there was was that man Suarez that would would take his his limelight a lot of the time and fantastic for Liverpool. But I'm sure Sturridge is one of those that that wants to be the main man, wants to be the player that's not getting substituted, that that you know is his first name on the team sheet and and the one that people expect to score goals. So you know maybe just maybe it will will help him in in many ways mentally. Um, certainly, you know it's going to take a little bit away from his game not having a, a world class striker like uh, Suarez playing alongside him, but. If he can keep developing, if he can keep staying or try to keep a little bit fitter and, and stay injury-free for longer periods of the season, then he could be you know, the main man at Liverpool this year. Certainly his goals are going to be so important to them. And, and he is a top player. He's developed into such a good player over the, the last few years. Pace, he's a great finisher. Um, yeah, Liverpool need a, a big season from him. Um where do Liverpool finish the season next season, Michael? I wouldn't normally ask you that, but you know, you're a football analyst now with BT Sports, so you know people will be asking you this question. Can they win the title this year? They've got the Champions League to deal with. Uh, they'll fancy much better runs than they had in the League Cup and the FA Cup. Fighting on four fronts versus one, as it pretty much was last year. What can Liverpool achieve? Well, they can achieve anything. I mean, it was a sensational season last year. Um, They've got a manager that's top class that you know the whole club is behind and and there's a great feel good factor at the club at the moment. So you know Liverpool need to to keep that bandwagon rolling in in many ways. But you know on the negative side and it shouldn't be a negative. There's Champions League. If you're looking at winning the Premier League, there's the Champions League now to to deal with. Um, need a bigger squad. Need a better squad. Uh, it's going to be tougher, more games. You know, last year they just had the one focus and that was the Premier League. So it is going to be tougher. Um, then factor in losing, you know, one of the best players in the world, someone that was just out of this world last season in, in, the, in the red shirt. And all of a sudden it, it becomes a little bit tougher. So I think Brendan Rodgers has got to buy another couple of players, try to fill that void um, and then just hope that, you know, that... that Things go well on all fronts because, as I say, there's so many big games going to be played next year. It can take its toll. And, and as we saw with Liverpool last year, 
you know, when you've got one aim and one aim only, then it can be a little bit easier maybe, and that's what Man United have got this year. So, yes, of course, Liverpool can win the league. Um, I'd like to see them obviously win the league, but if they can finish top four again, sustain that sort of that momentum and, and keep that, you know, that big money rolling in so they can attract players and attract better players, then I think that'll be another successful season. Hopefully, as you say, a good cup run, but anything is possible for Liverpool next year. Uh, Michael, while we've got you, I've just got to ask you about England at, at the World Cup. For all the criticism that, that you had when you were an England player, that England golden generation had for only getting to quarterfinals of uh, major tournaments, you weren't that bad in the end, were you? <laughs> no, listen, it's a very tough competition to win. We all know that. I don't feel there was a real standout team in the in the World Cup this year. Yes, Germany won it, and no one will grumble with that. I think they, they probably did deserve to win it in the end. But I think you could play the World Cup five more times and you'd probably get five different winners. It was, it was that open. But fair play to Germany. They were outstanding. England, on the other hand, yes, we had a tough group, but we went out with a whimper. One point in, out of nine is, is simply not good enough. So back to the drawing board for us. I think we do need to, to look at certain aspects of getting football players young British football players into our first teams. I always go on about it, but, but back in the day, even though it wasn't that long ago, the, the Beckhams, Giggses, Scholes, Butts, Neville brothers, and then across at Liverpool was Owens and Gerrards and Carragers and Fowlers and McManamums. The list goes on, and it was an easier way to get into the first team back then. You know, you had your youth team, you had your reserves, which was a huge stepping stone. Cope with the reserves, and, you, you know, it was much easier to cope in the first team. Nowadays, this EPPP that stuff that they've got at the academies, it's basically under-18, under-19 football. Um, it's just not competitive enough. And then we're expecting our kids to go from that level straight into a first team and getting the Gerrards and Sturridges and Suarez's out of the team. Well, it's virtually impossible. None of us kids probably would have done it either back then. So we need a real reshuffle. I know Greg Dyke at the FA is talking about B teams and um, different loan possibilities and whatever, but we do need a good reshuffle, get more British players into the into the game and, and make it easier for our British players to get into the first teams because at the minute it's virtu- virtually impossible and there's no surprise that all the good players are coming from smaller teams like Southampton. Their academies aren't as good as the top teams, but they've got more of an opportunity and these good kids that, that bring through all came through in the Championship and the, and Division 1 when they were down there. So there's a lot to be, lot to be learned. And the powers that be all seem to think that Roy Hodgson is still the right man for the job. Uh, are they right? Well, I don't. Th- I think that's the least of our worries. If I'm honest, I think we need to, to, you know, sort our problems out lower down than that. And yes, Roy Hodgson is is a good manager. I don't think there's any doubt in that. Um, you know, I think probably people are maybe at all. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any objections to him continuing. I know the FA have said he's going to continue, so I've got no problem with that. What I have got a problem with is is helping our youngsters. Um, get into the first teams of, of these these top clubs because you know like it or not all our best players at the moment are in or the majority are in the in the, the big academies but it's great we get to 16 17 18 and they're all looking good we win the European Championships the other day England at under 17 level but then what it's at 18 19 20 where they get snarled up in the system no opportunity to break into a first team no reserve football. Um, and as I say, an EPPP league that is basically glorified at under-18 football. So it's not good enough at that, that, that last step at the moment. And we do need to, to uh, think about how we're going to bridge that gap. Uh, Michael, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. No probs. Thanks very much.